I can still hear the baritone laughed, laughter of my late father-in-law, Bob. It filled the room and brought joy. He died about 10 years ago. Death stinks. I can still picture the smile of my granny who was just the right amount of ornery and you always had to keep your eyes on her but man did she love I can still picture my late brother-in-laws Ryan and Chet as uh, Ryan had every animal as a pet under the face of the sun, including a snake. And Chet, a trained chef, navigating our kitchen as he made some of the best meals for our family. Death stinks, doesn't it? Even this morning, my my wife Deanna and I talked that that we still hear the phantom pitter-patters of our dog Elliot's feet. He's been gone for a couple months now. Elliot? Death. Oh, it's the worst. You've tasted it. I've seen the tears in your eyes. The bitterness of broken hearts, of lost loved ones. Death. Stinks. It drops us to our knees. It rocks our core. And it lingers. That rotten fruit that Adam and Eve first bit their teeth into is the family recipe that has been passed down through the generations. And it has the worst aftertaste. Right? Death was never a part of God's plan. Never the intention. He's the God of life. And the good news of Jesus, that even in the face of death, he has found a way into life. That's what today is about. Even as we write names down, even as we have uh, uh, candles lit, even as you here soon will have an opportunity to light a candle yourself with hearts broken, today is about life and hope. Today is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we unpack it through this book of Revelation, right? We, I, I don't preach much about Revelation. You, you know that uh, from me. There's lots of reasons why. Uh, there, there's so much mystery around this book of the Bible. And, um, and I, I just want to share and just uncover a little bit of it with, with us here this morning as we talk. It's, it's a, a book that's covered in mystery, right? It's apocalyptic, right? Even that word sounds scary. Um, 
And there's all kinds of things about it, and all kinds of things have been said that this is what it's about. And it's a, a book covered in mystery with signs and symbolism and all kinds of craziness. But, but there are two things that I want you to know as, as we look at the book of Revelation as a whole and the type of literature that it is, apocalyptic, it had two primary purposes. That There are really one, but different timelines. It, it's a book of hope, not, not a book of despair. The book of Revelation is about hope. It's about hope. That in the end, Jesus wins. That's that's the word of Revelation. And so it was written by by John, uh, uh, the the prophet who on the uh, island of Patmos. And and there are two understandings of what it is. And I think there's, there's some truth to both of them. Well, one is that, you know, the, the one that we often understand that it's a, a, a forecast, a looking ahead to what's going to happen when, when Jesus returns, what's going to happen in, in all those things. And, and there's a word of hope in that. But, but most scholars believe that the book of Revelation also is, is really an, an allegory or a story that gives a, a word of hope for the people around the time that it was written. It was written in the first century. And so this is a word of hope written to the Christians that were living in the midst of Rome's atrocious, heavy-handed rule. And so the tribulation that we often think might be going on ahead of us, John was writing to a tribulation that was happening in the day during the Christian persecution of Rome. And that the book of Revelation is a word of hope of how you get through hard times. How you get through challenges. That's just a little bit of Revelation. But I want to get to the hope of Revelation. And the question of chapter 7 is, who can withstand the trials of this world? Who can withstand? Who can get through unscathed? Who who will be able to survive the challenges that life throws at us? Right, chapter 6 of Revelation was the, the first six seals, and it was all kinds of horrible atrocities. The, the first part I wrote, read today talks about the, the four angels that are holding back the four winds of the earth. Right? And what that's saying in, in symbolic literature is that the end of the world is coming. Right, That's the, the precursor to, to God coming and, and, and restoring everything and wiping everything clean and starting anew in the new Jerusalem. And so there, there's this reality that, that they're reading about everything is coming at them. Have you had days like that? Weeks like that? Where your head's not above water, and every direction you turn is hardship and challenge and frustration, right? Sometimes it's not just that life life is hard and there are challenges, but sometimes it just feels like everything is extra. Have you noticed that? Everything takes more energy, more focus, more time, more phone calls to to deal with stuff, more, more just frustration at every turn. Nothing's easy. Have you experienced that? Who can, 
Who can stand? Who can withstand? Who can navigate through this life? That's the question of chapter 7. And it, it, it led with the, the chapter before these six seals being broken and all craziness breaking loose. And, and finally we get to chapter 7 and, and, and it feels like everything is about to crash down. That the end is on us. But the word of chapter 7 is, no, wait, wait a second. We're going to hold back the torrential downpour. And there's this moment when they ask, who's going to be able to withstand it? Who, who, who can withstand everything that's coming down the pipe? Who can stand up when everything in this world is about to be knocked down? And the answer is very simple. Do not harm the earth or the seas or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. The ones who can stand are the ones that are sealed. The ones who have been sealed. What does that mean? I... Uh, some of you have, uh, uh, you like canning vegetables and fruit, right? Vegetables, not fruit, right? And you, you put them in a mason jar, right? What do you do with it? You seal it. Why, why do you seal it? Why, why do you seal a mason jar? So the, the good stuff stays in and the bad stuff stays out, right? And it's sealed. It's protected. That's part of what a being sealed is about. That's part of what God does when he seals you, is he seals the good stuff in, and he seals you so the bad stuff stays out. You're sealed. A seal is also a way of understanding ownership. Right, I have in my office, I almost brought it over, but I decided it was too small and it wouldn't be that great of an, uh, a visual object. But I, I have, my wife got me, right after I graduated from seminary, she got me an embosser. It's a, a stamp. And when, when I get a book, I, I put it on it and I push down and it says, from Pastor Scott's library. It's super cool. Because once I seal it, you know that book belongs to me been sealed. It's been embossed. It's been engraved with my name on it so that you know no matter what happens, even if I give the book away, it's still got my seal on it. It still has my name on it. Who can stand? Who will be able to get through this life? The ones who have been sealed with the name of Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Amen? You are sealed. You are his. His name has a claim on you. In a world that is wrestling at every turn about identity. Right? Right? 
This is where your identity is found. Here you are sealed. Here you are named and claimed. Here the Holy Spirit comes over you and within you. You're His. You're His. Always. Forever. As tribulation comes, as trial comes, as hardship comes, as all of it comes at us, who can stand? The ones who have been sealed. As it says in 1 John that we read this morning, you are a child of God. If God is for you, who can come against you? If God is with you, there's nothing that will break you. Yeah, we know brokenness. I know that you've hit your knees in sorrow, being overwhelmed. I know hardship myself. I know you know hardship. I know we look at the world around us and, and the people we love. We, we know hardship. We know what it means to be broken. We know what it means to turn into a bubbling mess on the floor. We know it. We endure it. We experience it. But it is not your identity. It does not define you. Who can stand even those who are crumbling on the ground? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. This is our hope. This is our identity. All Saints Sunday. It's hard. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to intentionally remember and be forced to be reminded and wrestle with a heart that hasn't yet healed. But we have hope. We have incredible hope in Jesus. I was talking with a buddy of mine uh, this week. He was a pastor, and he was talking with uh, a 70-year-old uh, lady uh, in the midst of talking about All Saints Sunday. And she shared that 50 years ago, she had to bury her daughter, who died at 17. If you've buried a child, you know pain. You know brokenness. This woman was sharing with my friend that on the day of the funeral, she went to the cemetery and that there had been a fresh coat of snow that day. And as she came to the grave where she was laying her daughter to rest, she herself laid down in the snow and made a snow angel. 
you made a snow angel. Everybody that was there with her was worried that she fainted, that she was overwhelmed with grief, and she certainly was overwhelmed with grief. But in that moment, as she did a snow angel next to the grave of her daughter, she was expressing hope and joy. And she shared 50 years later, recalling back to that snow angel, has been a source of comfort and joy her whole life. Sorrow comes. We all experience, none of us can stand on our own. What does it look like? To make your snow angel. On the source and the focus of where your pain is most real, most pointed. To do something there that defies sorrow and reminds you that your identity is as a child of God. That you are his. Who can stand? None of us on our own. But because of the one who stands with us, Jesus, our Emmanuel, you can stand. You will stand. One day you will stand before the throne of the Lamb of God. And you will lend your voice to the chorus that cries out in one voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to Jesus. And because he stands with you, Salvation belongs to you. And salvation belongs to you. In the name of Christ. Amen.